Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast this week. Over December and January, we're doing an exciting special edition podcast to celebrate Danette's first book, The Adaptable Leader. If you're on Spotify, you can see the cover of it right now. I'm holding it up. Uh, We are doing a special podcast where Danette's talking to people who have been adaptable leaders in various different spaces. There's some people you'll remember from the Magical Learning Podcast, and there'll be some new faces as well and some old friends. Uh, This is a really great podcast and it was recorded before the book was actually finalized so there's bits of the podcast in the book uh, but we highly recommend you go check out that book as well Uh, we'll be back with regular magical learning podcasts in mid-january but until then this is an amazing little bonus podcast project we've set up for you so as always enjoy and have a magical week Hello, everybody, and welcome to Adapt with Danette FM. I'm Jez FM, the podcast producer. And Danette, how are you going this week? Yeah, Jez, another great week, and I'm loving these podcasts and the conversations. I'm learning so much. (laughs) Great, great. Well, today we've got an amazing one. Uh, We've got one with Chris, and we'll get into that shortly. But uh, today we will be talking about purpose with passion, which I think is kind of... It doesn't necessarily sound adaptable, but it, through the conversation, I think you learn how important that is, uh, and especially to Chris's journey as well. But let's throw to you. So, Danette, uh, yeah, obviously, just tell us a little bit about uh, your thoughts on Purpose with Passion or today's conversation with Chris. Yeah, so we deliberately um, chose Chris as the person for this particular episode because um, Chris is the CEO of Widden. Widden is a not-for-profit aged care provider, And as many people would know, during um, COVID, there was lots of um, worries around the aged care um, sector. There's also been a Royal Commission into aged care. And I want to say that Widden is the exemplary aged care provider in terms of they, they came through the Royal Commission really well, but they're a provider that's constantly looking at how do they improve what they do for their um, people, both their team members and also their residents. So that's why we chose him because he'd actually navigated this whole COVID in an amazing way and kept his team and his residents safe and engaged in what they were doing. Amazing. Well, uh, everybody, I think without further ado, let's throw to the conversation you had with Chris uh, right now. Enjoy. So, um, Chris, I might just start by obviously saying thank you for joining me on Adapt with Danette FM. Um, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and give our listeners a little bit of your background. Sure. So I guess, uh, so let's start with who I am. I'm the CEO of Widden Aged Care, and, and Widden is a, uh, a large not-for-profit aged care provider. We've been around for about 75 years, and we do, we provide a lot of beautiful care outcomes across New South Wales and, and Queensland, 21 homes, um, caring for probably close to 2,500 um, people within our homes and in home care, and around 2,500 well, pushing 3,000 these days employees as well. Um, so big not-for-profit organisation doing some good things. In terms of um, my background, uh, I, I'm an accountant um, first and foremost. I guess that's where, where it all started um, and uh, had really worked my way ground up from uh, in, in working in all accounting roles and, and then eventually getting into senior leadership roles. 
and yeah, I guess fortunate enough to get into some executive roles and then pushing into that sort of CEO uh, space with, with the last couple of roles that I've had and, and particularly here at, at, at Widden. So it's been a, a good journey over probably, I don't know, 30 years these days. And um, I'm pretty happy in the, you know, the for-purpose, not-for-profit sector and, and what we're able to do uh, across a whole spectrum of things. It sort of brings a fair bit of fulfilment, which is nice at this point in the career. Nice. I started talking without the mic on. <laughs> so, um, Chris, obviously during COVID, you would have had lots of opportunity to practice a lot of what we're going to be talking about today because... Obviously, your whole industry, there was a Royal Commission into, um, you know, aged care and stuff like that. And and I, I love to say that your organisation came out really well from that. And, you know, obviously that's led from the top. So I just wanted to say, you know, congratulations during that time. Um, and all the, the great that I see you do, uh, the team members do to make people's lives way better. So I just wanted to sort of acknowledge that on the show. Now, I'd Thank love you. for you, oh, you're welcome. I'd love for you to share, you know, what are some of the things that you do personally to assist you to adapt? Uh, in terms of adapting, I guess that um, from my own perspective, uh, purpose purpose, and that focus on purpose is, is, um, is pretty important and, and probably... It's probably the thing that that drives most of what I'm doing these days, to be honest with you. So, if you if you look at it through the lens of you know adapting, you know when when we were in the midst of COVID, for example, and you, at our campus in Glenfield, which is in Southwest Sydney, and, and we were surrounded by you know some of those hot they call them hotspots, you know Liverpool, Campbelltown, everyone was in lockdown, and we're we're here looking after sort of 500 residents. We've got a roster of 350 people coming in every day to, to work. And we were trying to find new ways to protect our team. And, and at the time, and our, and our residents, and at the time, um, uh, rapid antigen tests were unknown in, in Australia. And they were widely used in the UK and the US. And we, we through one of our partners, happened to come across a, a provider, a supplier that was bringing them into the country and we were given this opportunity to tr let's start using them. Um, they were TJ approved. So you kind of think the last thing you need to be doing where your workforce is under strain and COVID's banging on the door is to start trialling some new, you know, um, technology, which is what it is and what it was at the time. But we did. We did, and we were very successful in it. And we started um, setting up the first screening um, screening areas and protocols and procedures around that and trying the rapid antigen tests on employees and residents, using them in outbreaks. And um, just, just by putting that effort in and having a team of willing people who were all very keen to get involved because of, for the same reason, purpose, protecting our each other protecting our residents. I mean, those steps undoubtedly led to a lot of lives saved at our home because remember back then, people weren't vaccinated. So without a doubt, it saved lives here at Glenfield. Residents were very vulnerable, protected our people. We picked, we detected COVID coming in. We were able to stop people, you know, coming in. And um, from there, that trial uh, actually led to really the full subsidisation 
of rapid antigen testing across Australia in aged care because we, we, we've got uh, funding from the government, they backed it. So, I, I'm, I, you know, that those steps to adapt to that environment, even though it's pretty chaotic and for a lot of people, it's probably the last thing you wanted to do at the time, uh, uh, without a doubt, saved a lot of lives. And that's not just me, there's a big team of people that were involved from the ground up um, with those trials. So, I think that's probably gives you sort of one example where you know what's what you know what what's our focus our focus is people care and the people providing that care and that's pretty good that's pretty that's motivation to you know change your colors and and, and get involved in something new that's a, a great share and you know often when there's change particularly when there's chaos and disruption people tend to get resistant to that change so I'd love, you know, you talked about the purpose. Share a little bit more about that purpose and how it engaged, you know, both the residents and also team members. Well, look, our, our purpose is about the people we care for and the people providing that care. So people are, set, are central to what we do and um, and creating positive impact with, with those people. That's really what we're about. So I think I think that's a, a pretty positive driver. Obviously, you need a lot of other things to to facilitate that. From a strategic perspective, you know, we have business strategies and we have um, clinical strategies. But at the end of the day, that's what we get up for in the morning. So I think that um, it's you know I often say that well we, we get this feedback actually we we conducted uh, we can we conduct regular surveys with our people. And some of the feedback that comes back from them, which is really reassuring because it, it validates the work that we're doing, um, is along the lines of one of the, the phrases that was coined out of the survey was uh, purpose with passion. So, and they say that as an organisation, we give them this licence to, 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 to focus and pursue this, our purpose with passion. And I guess in my role and, and from a senior leadership perspective, when you hear that, you, you say, great, the message is getting out there and we, we're doing some, some really, you know, we, we're doing something right because that's exactly what we want our people to say. Um, and so, yeah, we obviously work very hard to, to achieve that. And I guess it's balancing that up. There are challenges because the workforce is still, there's a lot of restraint and, and constraints on the workforce at the moment. So it's very exciting when you think about the future and you think about, the workforce will stabilise at some point and the funding is starting to improve. And I say to the guys, well, we're achieving these outcomes in this environment. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? So, so thinking about, you know, what, what we'll be able to do when we're, when we're fueled up and, and in an even better position. So, um, yeah, so I think you need to be able to give licence to your team, to your organisation. And that means, you know, almost 3,000 people across the organisation. And whether you're at our home in Burke or up in Newcastle and Belmont or in Glenfield, that message needs to get out to, to everyone. And they, the people also need to understand it's an authentic message. And, and I think all of us here live and breathe um, that purpose. Um, the, the, the people who, are, who stay here and who are in our senior leadership team, they live and breathe it, as do our board. And that it needs to be real, it needs to be authentic. There's no point in me banging on the drum and, and that message is just rhetoric and, and there's no value behind it. And I, I you know, all of us go out and visit our homes. We also do we, we take shifts and, and, and have the occasional shift here and there. And I think 
um, you know, they know what we're about. Our team know us. They know us well. They're comfortable communicating with us. So there's that level of authenticity about the message, and we do live live our our purpose and our values. And I think that's that's probably the key to to getting that feedback from the team. This is where we've got purpose with passion. So I think yeah, it's it is our north star, and it definitely helps to drive these outcomes. Nice and. Having dealt with Widen over the years, absolutely agree. You you and your senior leadership team walk that and as do all the the, the staff members, et cetera. So well That's done. Good to hear. Good to hear. It is. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I asked you, Chris, because I was like, who do I know has done, navigated lots of disruption, you know, in a really authentic, beautiful way that has served, you know, your your residents and that. And your team members. So, yeah, no, oh, you, nice. that's why that's why I asked you. Um, so my next question is, how do you deal with failure? I'd love an example of where something didn't go according to plan. What did you learn from it? Um, I think, uh, look, I think failure, I, I, don't, I don't particularly like failing, to be honest. I don't know that anyone does. But I think you learn to accept that, that failure is also part of the, the learning process. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's success that comes out of failure and, and learning from that. It's also how you define it. I guess going back to the COVID um, example, and we weren't alone in this position as, a, as an organisation, two things collided with COVID. The, um, uh, the underfunding of aged care, which had, which had been going on for probably about five or six years, well-documented, you know, two-thirds of the sector have been losing money, came out of the Royal Commission. So you kind of had this underfunding of aged care and then it collided with all the challenges of COVID, so the additional costs, the, the impact on occupancy, the impact on workforce, um, even the impact on, you know, morale of the team, all those things, it all collided. So financially, I, we failed over those those couple of years. It was It was quite devastating financially. And, and that was hard to take. And I think a lot of people who were looking at our financial results over that period, um, we you know, struggled with it. It was very, di- it's been very difficult. We're coming out of that now, but for those, that period, and as a, just the disclaimer, as a, as a you know, we may be a not-for-profit organisation, but you need to be commercially viable so you can pursue your purpose and have that impact. So, so that, that was quite difficult. And um, it, we had to adapt and we had to make changes. Um, uh, and, and a lot of things, there's a lot of strategic shifts that had to occur to start us on the journey back out of that. But, but at the same time, um, and particularly in those first couple of years while people, well, that first year when, when residents weren't vaccinated and we were going through all the vaccination process, we were one of the few organisations that um, we had no loss of life. There was a period there for around, I think it was around 12 months, I'm stretching my memory now, where there were some devastating cases around the country and homes that were, we had no loss of life. So while it was difficult to accept the financial failure um, or the financial challenges, I could see where we were still having successes. And, and, and you know, you're weighing human life and, and your, the, the well-being of your workforce um, and and the peace of mind of the families who is residents, you know, mothers and fathers and aunties and uncles in our care, you can take the positives out of that away. And I think that's that's part of learning to to accept the the um, some of these failures that occur is looking at what else is coming out of it. And that was a real 
positive, um, and it 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 helped uh, take that that bit of you know uh, pill down as well. No, oh, it's a great example. And I was going to say, as a finance person, when the money's going down, we were always like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, we 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 also have we also have a home in uh, Burke, and you could do exactly the same thing. Burke is a beautiful little homestead with. Um, I think ten residents now in in our home there, and and that environment um, generates the most beautiful outcomes because it's truly person centred care. It's, it's it's almost you know you've got you know two, probably one to four, one to five, uh, one employee to four or five residents you know pretty regularly. Um, you see a resident get get up in the morning and they give them a kiss good good morning. You know it's like a family. It's it's quite lovely. Um, however, they, that that sort of a model doesn't make money. It's, it's very hard to make money out of it. And again, we have other ways to to subsidise that that home. And it's all it's all about context and the way it's all about the way you look at it. Um, the the outcomes we generate, you can't put a price on that. So, you know, think of a time where you know you needed to change, you adapted. But what would have happened if you hadn't have adapted? Uh, well, that's a good question. I'm, 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 I keep harping back to this. Um, I keep coming back to this COVID case and this because it's just fresh in the, mem- in the memory. If, as I said before, if we hadn't put those, um, if we hadn't gone with those trials of rapid antigen testing um, on one front, um, we would have had uh, a gr- greater incidence of COVID. We probably would have seen loss of life um, as well. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that would have been the case. At the same time. Um, you know, uh, we, we gained additional opportunities from that process. Our, so where we are today, our relationship with government improved and some of the initiatives were, the, you know, our, I guess the government saw us as an organisation that was progressive and innovative and that that's great because we, we get opportunities with government to work on things today because of, of those. The other thing that, that happened is, it, it solidified a partnership with the organisation that introduced us to rapid antigen testing, a company called Pentonic Health, that because we said, yeah, let's let's give it a, sh- a go because we see the value in that, we then took other steps later on with them working with uh, rapid PCR testing, with the little shoebox units which conduct PCR testing, which in a lot of our regional homes are really a valuable asset. And we have access to those and nobody else does. It opened up a door... And that door opened up another door to, to, to where we are today, where we're now working on a uh, on a sort of pharmacogenomic DNA profiling to, to deliver better outcomes as well. So that's a new project. But if we hadn't have gone and taken that step, there would have been lost opportunities. And I think it opened you know, many doors uh, in that case. I guess other things that we've done in the past, so just to move away from the COVID, because I've kind of bashed that one to death a little bit, but... We also uh, pioneered relationship-based care, and that's really a, a person-centred approach to care. And I think that that is really the way that the the government want providers to provide care. Now, the standards have changed a few years ago, and, and that was something that was pretty obvious. This is probably going back a decade, to be honest, when, when the ball started rolling with that. And, and because of those moves, you know, um, we are ahead in terms of our model of care. We're ahead in terms of the impact that it's had on, had on um, culture. We're ahead in terms of our compliance with the standards. And that's reflecting in our compliance outcomes and our star ratings as well. But most importantly, you know, some providers might be satisfied with a bricks and mortar 
um, accommodation type approach to care. Not all of our homes are five-star buildings. They're nice. It's nice accommodation, but we do our very best to provide five-star relationships within the home. And I think that that moving, taking that journey and making those those steps and, and seeing that in advance and adapting to, to, to that has put us in front and, and something to be proud of. And I love the fact that you collaborate with others, you partner with others, and that you're always sort of looking forward and, and being more innovative. So I'm curious, you know, what are some of the things that, you know, you do to be able to do that? Because as you said, not everyone does that, but it certainly is my observation of Widen. It's sort of through your culture, through your core. Yeah, I think, you know, we don't know everything and, and uh there are lots of good people, good organisations out there, and I think that we we can't we don't pretend to you know we can we know what our strengths are, and we know that there are other opportunities out there. And if, if we again coming back to our purpose and these outcomes and what we want to achieve, if we want to if if you know if we really want to have that impact, it's so important to be able to open the doors to other partners. So. We work with multiple universities. There's a whole range of different universities. There's different organisations. We um, we work with them. I mean, there's a there's a program called Design for Care, which we're working with. I think two or three universities to look at how COVID impacts um, workforce and job design, and most importantly, the well-being of our employees. And now we've taken a lot of learnings from that, and we're we're looking at interventions to address the top two or three issues that came out of that research. And then if those interventions are successful, we're going to implement them group-wide. The only, the only motivation for that project is employee wellbeing and getting better outcomes for employees, which will ultimately flow onto our, our residents and clients as, as well. So, so I think that um, these partnerships bring sort of new projects, new initiatives, new thinking to life. And um, you, you've got to be able to explore them and find them. It, it's, it can be a bit, you know, take a bit of effort to go and find some of them. Some, some fall on your doorstep in, in chaos and, and whatever else, and others you need to get out there and find them, and, and that's, that's how, how it's worked in the past. I didn't get that. Could you so, question I've got um, is... What advice would you give your 25-year-old self about being an adaptable leader? Uh, okay, so, so I think that um, I think the, the first thing I would tell my 25-year-old self is to get, get out there, what we were just talking about then. I, I, I think I was, I, I don't know if, it, if it's just part of your development or whatever, but me personally, I, I kind of avoided um, some of these networking events and, and things like that. Maybe it was me at the time, you know, I had I was studying, young family, I didn't have time for it. But I certainly learned the more I thrust myself and pushed myself into that, that space, the more opportunities came, the more opportunities to learn came out of getting into, into that space as well. So I think, I think that's one thing. And I probably aligned to that is also get out of your comfort zone. Um, I remember um, it probably with public speaking, I hated public speaking. Um, they're not, no, and people aren't always comfortable doing that. But in terms of my role today, I need to do that every, every day. There is some public speaking event or something I need to go and be a part of and talk to you know, larger teams. Um, and, you know, that, that started with an opportunity to go and talk and something or whatever, you know, years and years ago. 
you didn't really want to do it, but you do it. And, you know, you, you learn and you get better at it and I guess you get more confident. So I think pushing yourself out of your, um, your comfort zone is, is really important. And I, I think the other thing would probably be about the chaos, which kind of ties into failure as well. It can be pretty confronting, you know, being in a, you know, an oppressive environment or, or when things aren't going your way. But when the dust settles and you look back, there's generally positives that come out of it. There's, there's, there are learnings. You become stronger. You might, you might find a way to do something better. Um, it might bring the team closer together. There's generally positives that come out of that. So don't be too scared, I guess, of the, the chaos and, and, and have a fear of failing. And there's always a positive, and as long as you're, you're you're constructive about that, you'll build, you'll get stronger, you'll get better. Great answer, Chris. Loved it. Um, so we're coming towards the end, and I was just wondering, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners around being more adaptable as a leader? Um, I think we. I was trying to think. We we covered things like uh, authenticity. We've covered things like the value of. Uh, of networks. Look, I, I think I think the, the the one thing that stands out, and we probably have have spoken about it, but I think this bit about um, you know we spoke about purpose and and following that purpose and how you know the North Star, how that 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 is is really what helps with, with your success um, and getting up in the morning. But I think it's probably about living living your values, and I think that that value alignment. I think the value alignment with the with the career you take, with the organisations that you, you you end up staying with, I think value alignment is critical. And I, and I, I think I see people who tend to succeed, um, you know, within my team in, the, in prior organisations, they have value alignment. And the ones that don't uh, succeed, probably not the, the, the right word, but the ones that don't stay and aren't happy, there's usually they're misaligned with their values. So I think you find inner, you know, you have you have inner success, inner inner comfort, you, you have inner satisfaction where your values align and that gives you the best outcome. And I think that's the example I use here in terms of what we do at Widden. Um, you know, when, uh, what, I, what I usually say to people is when, when you're sort of feeling a bit flat or you're feeling overwhelmed or you're buried in spreadsheets or documents or whatever it may be, go and walk over to, to the home across the road here or you, know, you might be due for a site visit and when I do that, and when I go and sit down, I might have some lunch with the residents. I might go out to the smokers. I don't smoke, but I'll go to the smokers area where, where some of the team are and have a chat with them. It brings everything back to life again. And, and, and it connects very, it really connects with me and it refreshes me. It's like someone just recharges the batteries and plugs them in. And I can go back in and do, you know, dive into the crap I was doing and, and get stuck into it again with, with sort of being a little more revitalized. So I think. Living your values provides that and, and helps you to re-energize in that way where if I didn't care about these outcomes, I, what would I be looking for to kind of help recharge myself with? So, you know, I use this example of care and aged care and not-for-profit environment, and that's what that means a lot to me. But that can be – you can take that and, and overlay that under whatever environment you're in, whether it's banking and finance or in real estate or whatever it may be. And if, if you can connect with your values, you're going to get longevity, you're going to get fulfilment out of your out of the work that you do. Totally, totally agree with that. Great answer. Thank you, Chris. Um, 
Thank you so much for coming along and joining me today. Really, really enjoyed reconnecting and loved your words of wisdom. And I'm sure our listeners are going to love your words of wisdom as well. Um, so thank you. And great to see you. And I'm going to send you a hug because you know what I'm like. <laughs> thank you very much. And thank you for inviting me on. And I really appreciate it. Pleasure. So, uh, so Danette, what a great conversation. That was so fun. Um, I feel like I took a lot of notes. That was such a good one. Uh, were there any sort of, uh, I guess, takeaways you had from the conversation with Chris today? So one of the things um, in the book is definitely about knowing your purpose and, and being authentic. And Chris really demonstrates both of those. He's done a lot of work. So Chris started as an accountant. And now he's the CEO of, of a massive nonprofit um, aged care provider who does amazing work. So I think that knowing your purpose is super important. And he also talked about public speaking weirdly. So a lot of people go, what? What's that got to do with adaptability? But if we're going to get everyone on board with the purpose and take them on the journey, we actually have to be a really good communicator as well. And so Chris has spent a lot of time working on that. And that was his one piece of advice um, that I think you know, all leaders should learn. It doesn't matter if you're uncomfortable with public speaking. It's not about you. It's about bringing people along on the journey. And we need that to help people adapt. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like there were so many takeaways for me. You know, the I guess another thing that the reason that it also kind of feels like it makes you adaptable uh, purpose with passion is it comes back to, for me, that sort of Simon Sinek Yes. Um, you know, find your why and then you can kind of use that as the energy source. Um, yep. I just thought one thing that I really liked about this was that, I, and there's so many good answers to your question about what does failure mean? You know, what does it look like? Um, and I think this one was a really good example of how failure actually is success in a different kind of way. It allows you to see where mistakes are. So I thought, I thought yep. Chris did a great job there. Yes. Yeah. Totally um, agree. Yeah, awesome. Well, as always, we have a question. Yes. Um, and so this one, I guess, is a pretty blunt question, but we appreciate it from Sash, uh, which is, what are the benefits of having a purpose attached to your work? So I think when we don't have purpose, you're sort of looking for external motivators for why you turn up at work. And so... Some days it's going to be hard to turn up enthused, excited. Some days you might just go, yeah, I'm going to hit snooze too many times. And really working with someone, particularly if you're in a leadership position where that person doesn't know their purpose and isn't really passionate, that can be really demotivating for those underneath them. The other thing I think is when you know your purpose, it helps you to focus resources on driving that purpose. And so if you've got a, a purpose that's really about growing and helping others, then it becomes easy to make decisions about what do we stop doing, but also where do we focus our resources? And I think if your purpose is something that others can buy into, if you can communicate that, you can help move change much faster um, because you've got that spark about the difference that you're going to make. And Chris absolutely in, here, in the um, podcast demonstrated that about the passion that he brings to the purpose of Widen. So, you know, if you don't know your purpose yet, um, one of the resources we have on the Danette FM website is actually about 
exploring what your purpose might be. So I definitely encourage you to download that particular resource. And I'm pretty sure we'll put that in the link with this podcast. Thanks, Jez. <laughs> That's all right. And thanks to Sash for writing in. Um, for our next season, of course, you'll be able to write in. We've, we've uh, already done all the questions. <laughs> we've gathered them already. But next season, we would love uh, more questions in from people. Uh, Danette, any final thoughts today on Purpose with Passion or the conversation with Chris? I think that as as individuals, as leaders, knowing your passion can really help you then, one, if you're looking for work, identify employers that actually work with your passion so you can bring it to the workplace and enjoy your work more. Um, and if you're a leader, getting really clear on that passion and thinking about the impact. And I always think of leadership as, you know, how can I serve? So thinking about who am I serving and what sort of impact do I want to have really helps me literally get up every day and be excited about what I'm doing. And I see that definitely in all of the um, podcasts we've done so far. The purpose is really clear for every single one of them and their enthusiasm, um, excitement and just love for what they do, it shines through because they know their purpose. Amazing. Well, I don't think we could have put it any better. Uh, thank you, Danette. What a great podcast. Everybody, uh, continue to listen, share, and next week we've got another amazing uh, podcast as well. Uh, and until next time, have a magical week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jez. <laughs>